Welcome to A Couch Divided Podcast, where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. All right, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. (laughs) Prepare to be couched. Welcome, everybody, to a Couch Divided podcast with Nick Thomas and the commendable, intelligent, lovely, beautiful, we said sassy last week. Yes, it was sassy. Yeah. Dr. Robin Hall. I wish I had like a clapping sound effect. Dr. Robin oh, Hall. Yeah, like the, the radio shows. Here she comes. <laughs> Miss America. Miss America. Miss Psychologist. <laughs> Shoot me. <laughs> oh my goodness um well yes welcome back everybody um so uh what are we talking about today nick <laughs> well it looks like we're talking about well trauma in general but like uh post-traumatic stress disorder and post-traumatic stress yes um so we're actually not we're going to be talking about trauma generally um but th- the topic of trauma is so truly immense um that it really deserves its own episodes. Yeah, it really I think. does. So yeah. we're all we're going to talk about it as it's necessary to understand post traumatic stress disorder, um, but we're not going to go into um, like we're not going to define it fully. We're not. It won't be exhaustive by any stretch. And um, uh, I even have some issues with some of the current definitions so Mm. um i know i've mentioned it before this is my particular area of interest um and where i have um done most of my research within clinical psychology Mm. um it's a was my dissertation topic um oh man i probably should have pulled my dissertation out Oof, even thinking about it gives me a little bit of a post-traumatic stress response. I'm, I'm, so, I'm glad I said the intelligent, Dr. Robin, uh, Robin Hall, because you're sitting there on the couch and you can just pull out a dissertation. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's on a hard drive somewhere. So that's you're... even more intelligent. <laughs> My dissertation is on a hard drive somewhere. It's in the archives. Microsoft has it. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, um, it is, in particular for me... Um, it's a really important topic, um, and it's where a lot of my interest lies. So, wait, it's a, it's a topic that really it touches our hearts because when we think about trauma, we're we're also seeing sin in a severed world, right? I mean, it's the only reason why anybody receives trauma or sees something bad or experiences something bad or life threatening in the first place. I, I would say, like most of the time, that's true. Um, there are though. Uh, situations where there aren't people necessarily at fault hmm. for whatever traumatic yeah. event has Could be happened like natural disaster or something like that. some yeah, yeah something like that right um wow yeah or you know like uh, weather stuff like that yeah. right and not that there aren't circumstances that people you know contributed in some way to the like experience you know sure yeah. in it like if you're an idiot it's, and you're surfing it, when you shouldn't be surfing that kind of stuff it really as far as the Chris has found yeah there is trauma <laughs> um but yeah there's uh there's not always necessarily you know a human or sin element right, in it right um I, you know i think about this verse kind of just came to mind in the book of james it says take care of the the widow and the orphan mm. um and to keep yourself unstained by the world 
And I just wanted to mention this. He says, why is the, the widow and the orphan? If you look in the Old Testament, he also also says be you know he, that he's near the widow, near the orphan. Yes. And it's really because of sin, what creates a widow and sure. sin, what creates an orphan. So I think of trauma that way too, as well. I mean, we we think of every disorder that way, but in in most of it, it's like trauma. It's like there's something happening that if this world was perfect, wouldn't happen. Sure. Right. And it's now playing on. Our internal systems uh, oh. in some kind of way yeah it's not just a disease it's not just this it is something that carries on throughout the the processes of life and in, in in one's body whether they get it's, over it or it, not yeah, it could trauma can be very very long lasting yeah, the effects of exposure um just mental hurting and uh yeah uh, so yeah. it is it is um mm. I often use the example or the the image of Atlas hmm. holding the world on yeah, his back on his shoulders, when I think yeah, of yeah. Um, people who are living with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it is it is a, the, the traumatic event itso- itself can cause like what you're kind of pointing to, Nick, like a full emotional psychological mental cognitive Hmm. existential shift yeah um and breakdown um and i will talk when we do our further episodes and we talk more about like this concept of trauma in Hmm. general um we'll talk about some of the the more abstract forms of trauma that aren't really included in the um diagnostic manual like the definition that the American Psychiatric Association outlines for us um, with regard to a traumatic stressor event. Um, but yeah, uh, in particular, without going into too much detail, um, when a, a traumatic event is particularly morally injurious, and mm. what I mean by that mm-hmm. is when there has been a violation, um, an existential violation of right. that internal moral code that we have that mm-hmm. individuals have um when they're forced to act in a way they wouldn't in other circumstances for mm-hmm. example um i one of the examples i have used in the past when working with my combat veterans um is the example example excuse me of hamburger hill in vietnam mm-hmm. um so to, to have such casualties the first time mm-hmm. um taking it and then t- to literally hand it back right. and then take it again. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what that second group of yeah. men felt about the lo- the loss of life right. right, that occurred the second time around. And I'm oversimplifying what occurred there. So um, please, no hate. But the, the basic principle is there. That's an example of a morally injurious event. Mm. So when there's a component like that, and so frequently there is in trauma, mm-hmm. um, it changes our worldview, right? Right. Um, the thing that wasn't supposed to happen did, right. Never, um, yeah. And so it can it, it can impact every part of our life. Um, right. So yeah, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And um, if you know somebody who is truly suffering from post traumatic stress disorder, um, you'll relate very much to the the fight it is. Yeah, the key um, word is disorder <clears throat> in right. there too as well. Yeah, so I guess that's probably a pretty good place to start. Um, there are, uh, I want to make the distinction, and I think it'll be really clear as we move through our talk, between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to go into some more statistics shortly, but um, with regard to prevalence rates so the occurrence um the percentage occurrence in the population with regard to post-traumatic stress disorder there's some like groundwork we should lay okay Mm -hmm. so um essentially it's agreed upon um by most thinking investigative minds that by the time you're about 30 in the united states you will have survived at least one event that Mm. you find traumatic right whether or not it actually ends what would meet diagnostic criteria for trauma is another thing but right, right you will have encountered or lived through something 
even if you weren't the direct recipient of said something, mm-hmm. right? Um, by the time you're about 30, man or woman in the U.S. Okay, so if we take that statistic and say approximately 100% of people mm-hmm. by the time they're about 30 will have experienced trauma, mm. very loosely about 10% mm. go on to develop long-lasting post-traumatic stress symptoms mm. and then between like 7 and 9% to the disorder. Yeah, That's so- the general population. Okay, the statistics are very different when you look at specific populations like the military. But seeing those uh, st- statistics and uh, just looking at those lets us know that this is actually quite a difficult topic and one that needs to be assessed. Sure, it's absolutely important. So, But it, I guess like I'm trying to kind of address like the snowflake culture a little bit. <laughs> and what I'm saying... Um, so even if everyone has experienced some kind of trauma, right, um, only about ten percent of the general population go on to develop the disorder. Mm. Okay, and it's a little bit less than that. The prevalence is a little bit less than that, and it, right. there's a difference between men and women. <clears throat> and again, like I said, those statistics are very different in the military population, bet, like both yeah. active duty and veteran. Right. Okay. So, what that what I'm trying to convey is that um, don't walk around claiming that you have PTSD right? when you don't. Right. Right. Um, and this is good advice for, I mean, you can apply it across the board. Right. right? Um, so just because you have some anxiety symptoms following a really stressful event doesn't mean that you have PTSD. Right. That's my point. And that's what I meant by like exactly. speaking to the snowflake culture right. of things. Um, so you we, may be, in fact, experiencing some post-traumatic stress, definitely. but almost all, right, except for this 10% we're talking about, um, people go, like, see symptom relief within right. just a very short time following right. the trauma. We do this as a society uh, all the time. I mean, when something becomes prevalent or known, at least, like popular. PTSD, yeah, popular, we start to use the word mm-hmm. as the catch-all. Like, oh, I'm I'm depressed. And let's, okay, well, let's talk about, no, you're not. But mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're down today, but you're not depressed, you know. Right. Or uh, somebody says that I'm starving. Well, no, I'll show you starving. You're not starving, you're just hungry. I mean, we do this all the time on there. But when it comes to these kinds of situations that are very intense we ought to watch our language well i think it's just like we're commanded i mean in scripture we're supposed to be wise with how we speak right right and it's not honest either it's it's false to to say that you have something that you don't that you don't yeah um and so i'm not accusing anybody like of being intentional necessarily about that or you know intentionally misrepresenting right but i hope that what after we go through this you guys will have maybe you start thinking about like a good a good uh skeleton a good like Mm -hmm. uh blueprint for how clinicians see post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder right so before our most recent revision of the uh, diagnostic manual, um, PTSD was housed underneath anxiety disorders. Mm. Okay. And it is. Yes. It so is I, an anxiety disorder. I can clearly score. see why that would be the case. Um, but now it's been um, teased out and put into mm-hmm. its own diagnostic classification. So with its trauma and then other stressor related related disorders so. when did that start being uh its own category is it... in the most recent revision of the diagnostic so from dsm-4 to dsm-5 it's now it's from own the category. 4tr yeah. right yeah, to yeah. 5, right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so yeah uh i think i think the best way to kind of approach this is to talk about some of the biomechanics behind our stress response because it will help explain, I think, set a foundation for um, the symptoms that we talk about later uh, when right. we actually go through the diagnostic criteria for mm. post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so um, hang with me because there won't be a test on this at the end, but um, it can be this. Um, it's a little bit meaty what we're going to go through, but mm. I think it's important to understand this God-given physiological mechanism that's at work whenever we become stressed out whether or not we are exposed to trauma right or like change any anything mm-hmm. that would be considered stress um 
so yeah any before we do that what do you think nick any thoughts well you know i liked how you mentioned uh that don't go around claiming something that probably you don't have or haven't got checked out um <laughs> um you know using these words as a, a, a you know a catch-all as i uh you know i've done that in the past and i think that we have all done this uh in some kind of form or another that's why i bring up depression or starving or anything like that but i i, I can think about my uh my past in things that I found traumatic and when you said at least one time in your life before you're 30 you're gonna go through something I was thinking about I go I know at least one time but what is the prevalence of multiple times right. okay. <laughs> and that's probably so <laughs> so that you actually bring up a good point so yeah. the question then becomes and this is not a question we're gonna answer today yeah, yeah. Um, but so what's different about the 10% that yeah. go on to develop the disorder yeah um, and we the truth is, is we don't know. Yeah. Um, but we do have some hypotheses about why. Mm -hmm. um, so risk factors mm. versus resiliency factors yeah. that come into play. And what you're talking about, the multiplicity is we refer to as multiplicity. Yeah. So the number mm -hmm. of traumas that somebody has encountered seems yeah. to be related to the likelihood um, yeah. of that they might develop longer lasting symptoms. Oh. The, the effects of trauma are certainly cumulative like, yeah. mentally and physically. Yeah. Now everybody hearing this, don't go web MD yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could do. You'll no, probably develop it. after this, like this is so much better. Uh, yeah. You, 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 you'll probably <laughs> develop a trauma if you read MD. <laughs> web, uh, web MD. So but, there are a uh, lot of those the, these factors that are kind of like discussed and hypothesized with regard to what makes somebody more susceptible. Yeah. And although I don't have experience in counseling people with this kind of disorder, I do have knowledge in what it is. And that's why I asked about the multiplicity uh, of those things, because that seems to be the most discussed topic. Uh, as I studied, I go, the multiple events. It makes really sense, are, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but that isn't to downplay not I don't downplay is probably the wrong way to say that um somebody can be in a car one car accident yeah. mm -hmm. and that's Just enough right? so it doesn't yeah. have to be multiple events exactly exactly um, but we when looking at populations of people mm -hmm. um and trying to understand prevalency mm -hmm. this is this is one of the things that we're finding yeah that there are individuals who develop long-lasting symptoms typically have more than one trauma i don't know why this topic touches my heart as much as any other topic it does you know um and so you know when i just heard you say that and i go ah just when i think of multiple tragic events and even in my own life or or people that i know or just in the general public and i go and that's why i i appreciated you uh, bringing up atlas carrying the world oh, on yeah. his backs is how i look at it too but in a biblical presentation I know that that weight is sin, so and the whole world is cursed. And I'm like, Atlas is actually carrying the curse on his back when sure. Jesus did that. And I go, okay, there's the peace there. Yeah, there's the peace. That's the way out here. And uh, right. but it does break and fracture your heart when when you see, you know, uh, when either of you've experienced a traumatic event, and especially for the love of neighbor, when you know that they have experienced that as well. Right. Right. Um, and that's that is a component too that we they when they updated when they, we went from the DSM four TR to the five, a caveat was actually added for vicarious trauma. Hmm. So if you are a first responder, if you are a therapist or a de like a homicide detective, mm -hmm. if you are continuously exposed to the ad like adverse yeah. details of traumatic stress, even if you have no personal connection mm -hmm. to who was like impacted right <clears throat> you can still become symptomatic yeah. yeah so that it's very important that people who work in highly traumatized like in it fields where there's frequent trauma exposure that they're talking about it yeah um burnout is so the burnout rate is really really high yeah in those fields <clears throat> Um, okay, yeah, so I like um, using the example when I talk about this or setting the scene. Um, imagine that you're camping. So we'll use you, Nick, even mm -hmm. though I know you're not really a big camper. No. 
I'm a huge not at I all. Lo- I love. Camping. I loathe it. <laughs> it's so funny. They're to like, me. we're going to man camp. I'm like, ugh, I'm going yeah, to the mall. <laughs> they do, that's a cabin, though. Yeah, and I would go to there. I just didn't get the so opportunity. Man camp is yeah. a thing that our church does every year, where the men go and <laughs> don't like, tell them I said that. together um, <laughs> and have fun, like shoot gun. I've never been. I'm not a man, but um, it looks fun from social media posts. I'm yeah. such a non-man when it comes to that thing, and other things I'll get into. But I'm like, I'm gonna. I'm That's gonna so go. funny. I love camping. I need air conditioning. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be miserable. I'm not gonna go camp now. There are some people I know, man. They love the oh, tent. Yeah. They love the stars. No they what. love roughing it. And yeah. I go, oh, this I is. I don't want to just... be out camping in 115 degrees. I'm Arizona a, I'm a city slicker, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> okay, so anyway, for this, for argument's sake. For the sake of our discussion, you're camping. You're camping with a bunch of friends. Okay. And um, you, uh, everybody's talking about going hiking, but you're like, eh, nope, don't want to do that. Yep. So they decide that they're going to go take a hike, and you decide that you're going to stay behind at the campfire. Okay. Reading a book, I don't know, whatever, okay. whatever you would I do. Okay, can, I can get this. This okay. is reality. Like, pick, picture right. yourself doing this. Okay. Yeah, it's like beautiful breezy pleasant pleasant you know yeah. you're probably you know if i know you like you're definitely like in and out of praying while you're there by maybe yourself. yeah maybe. anyway okay so um in order to understand the bio like the biomechanics behind the response that we're about to right. go into um let's just say that this is a 10-step process i'm actually not sure how many steps it is if it's a 10-step process the first six steps of that process are entirely pre-conscious. Hmm. Okay, so what I mean by that is you, as a thinking human being, have no idea that anything is going on until we are more than halfway through this response. Okay. Okay, so for anybody out there that believes that our like anxiety is a matter of willpower, hmm. I challenge that right here. Okay, so the, and the difference between me and another like a clinician um, <clears throat> who isn't a Christian, who doesn't have a Christian worldview, they're going to describe this process, and I'm going to use terminology that's very much associated with evolutionary psychology. But I understand that this isn't a product of evolution. It's a God-given gift. It's, it's <clears throat> incredible design, actually, right. and really important that we have the capacity to do this. Um, but any, yeah, so anyway, you'll, I'm going to use terminology like fight, flight, freeze. Okay. Okay. You've, I'm sure you've heard oh, yeah. that yeah. before. Okay. So th- that's the physiological response that we're going to describe. But again, we know it is not a product of evolution. No, it's, it's a God-given gift. I mean, right? I, I already <laughs> thinking about the mechanism in the brain and the amygdala and everything that God has designed mm-hmm. to to uh, give us that response. Right. So, okay. Yeah, it's actually amazing. It's it is amazing. So yeah. it's actually extremely important that we are able to become afraid. Mm-hmm. Okay, and hear me out. What I mean by that and is, if we are in a dangerous situation, we need to experience fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, that alerts us to the danger of the situation Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you're familiar there's a disorder i'm not actually even sure if it's like a nervous disorder or what exactly it's a sensory disorder that where people don't experience pain Mm -hmm. so like they're in big trouble they break bones a lot like it's Mm -hmm. really dangerous it's important that we are able to become afraid Mm -hmm. of things just like it's important that like if I put my hand on a hot burner, mm-hmm. it hurts and I don't do that again. Yeah, you right? don't do that the again. The pain alerts me that this is a bad idea, right? That's why kids are so adventurous. <laughs> right. They haven't experienced what we exactly. experienced. They're learning it. They're learning it. I, I, I think back, you know, to the skateboarding days, you know. Okay. When you're 10 years old, you drop the bowl like no other. Like you go down on that skate. You know, what on does your... that mean? Drop the bowl. So that you have a bowl and you skate in it. It's kind of like a pool and oh, you skate okay, in it. Okay. Yeah, it's the best way I could describe it if you're not a skater. But then when you reach like 20 and you still not a skate, 
but you're thinking a little bit before you <laughs> you oh, yeah. drop. You're like, uh, yeah. there's been too many times that I fell. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a different type of fear. That's a fear based off of respecting the situation that well, you're in. So, but we're, yeah. as we're talking about like a, a process that happens later, like yeah. what you, how you learn, yeah. right? You remember what it's like to fall. Yeah. You go through the initial fear by going through it, and then you go through another fear by respecting it if right. you ever enter okay, it into so that, it again. And that's actually, that's, so it's good yeah. that you use that as an example because all of those memories are actually really important Yes. in this cycle that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, you're camping, you're by mm -hmm. the fire, mm -hmm. and all the guys are off, right? And it's like it's you know it's woodsy, like you don't hear anybody. There's no voices or anything. Right. You're reading your book. Okay. So let's say there is a rustling behind you. Okay. So uh, remember, we are not at the point in this process yet where you even know there's been a noise. You are reading. You have no conscious awareness at this point that you've heard anything. I'm having flashbacks to The Shining. I'm like, I know that there's going to be a kid in a bike telling me to come play with him. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite ever. Movie, come play with us, Danny. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, that's so funny. I love that you brought that up because that's exactly part of what we're gonna okay. what we're gonna talk about. That that random thought, that memory that you had. Okay, so again, you're not aware of this, mm -hmm. but your brain converts into a chemical signal that sound. Oh my gosh. Like how crazy cool is that? Yeah. Like are you kidding me? I know. It's are you it's freaking awesome. kidding me? Uh, it's like how it That's can magic. I, that is can... magic, folks. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't have a lizard brain. Like, I have a God given oh brain so cool. <laughs> that so cool. functions. Anyway, okay. So from the moment that you encounter the stimulus mm -hmm. this pre-conscious flood of events start to happen okay. okay so the sensory information is taken in so in this in our example you're hearing this right yeah. so all of our uh sight sound um taste uh tactile feel like our yeah. sense of touch mm -hmm. um all of those uh are processed in a similar way so our the one sense that is different is our sense of smell. Okay, so it's our only sensory input system, our, is our olfactory system that's directly linked to the amygdala, which mm. you actually just brought up right, right. a second ago. So the amygdala is a part of the brain that's responsible for processing and storing emotional right. memory. And that's why when you like smell apple pie, you don't just remember that grandma made it. Suddenly you're back in her kitchen watching her do it. Mm. Um, our sense of smell is always going to be our most like potent trauma cue. Um, and again, the pie example isn't of a traumatic memory. That's mm. just a like a cue period. But your sense of smell is always going to be the most potent just because of how yeah, we are this, wired up. This was the uh, the scene in Breaking Bad. Walter White is talking to uh, Gus Fring. I can't believe I'm bringing this up and they're eating. And he goes, it's amazing how this, you know, he's, they're eating soup. And he's like, it's amazing how the smell brings me right back into when I was, you know, a kid. How yeah. does that happen? And Walter White's like, actually, it's located in the hippocampus. And mm -hmm. uh, and it describes it the Walter White way. Just just taking away all the, you know, the uh, uh, the, the, the wonderful things the about the past. Out of it. Yeah, the wonder out yeah, of it. Just totally disenchanted See, to it. to me, like, that doesn't take anything. No, it's, of, it, I couple it, just, it both. And I go, amazing, this, this right? is great. It's, this it's is, just even more on. This is what God me. has done. We, we can even delight in the past, you know? So. <laughs> okay, so everything else, including hearing, like what yeah. you've heard, is routed through the thalamus, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm being very simple here. So there's mm -hmm. no yes. like neuroscientists jump like on the hate train. I don't think um, we have I'm any neuroscientists. Very, very over, <laughs> over simple, oversimplifying this stuff. We're good. Um, which is essentially like the relay station. And mm -hmm. that then sends those signals to the amygdala. Mm -hmm. The amygdala sends all of that information. Mm -hmm. So that chemical code now. Mm -hmm. up to the inf uh, the the association or the memory cortices of our brain yeah. okay so this is and it's doing this to determine if there's any kind of threat mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when you brought up i'm immediately picturing the shining yeah. okay so again you're not you have no awareness that this is going on yet mm -hmm. but your brain your non-thinking brain without asking your permission mm -hmm is taking that chemical signal and comparing it 
to every single memory your brain has ever stored that looks even remotely like this. Yes. Okay. So all of that's activated. Right. Right. So anytime you've ever like even heard a ghost story or, mm-hmm. or related a ghost story to a campfire, mm-hmm. um, anytime uh, you ever saw like a, I know like Budweiser does commercials where people are out romping around in the wood. Oh, right? yeah. Every Alaska documentary yeah. you've ever seen. Okay? Oh yeah. Um, coupled with real lived experiences, all of that gets mm-hmm. activated and your yeah. brain is trying to determine were any of these situations threatening, mm-hmm. okay? If that really unsmart, okay, part of your brain, I mean, it's really not unsmart, it's brilliant, but mm-hmm. the part that isn't asking for your opinion mm-hmm. decides that there's a threat, a potential threat. Mm-hmm. Like, he got scared when he was watching that movie mm-hmm. about the, you know, psycho killers that stalked the camp campers, right? Yeah, right, right. So if it determines that there's a threat, potentially a threat, it sends into motion our endocrine system. Yes. Okay. Specifically, we're talking about our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems yes. that are at work here. Um, so, again, no test on this. But what happens at this point is the HPA, mm-hmm. or hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, is activated. Essentially, all those glands mm-hmm. start producing or are involved in the production of adrenaline which then floods the body okay right so this is where the fight flight starts to happen right okay again very this is reflexive you aren't thinking about this this is happening right and it's really important that it can happen without you thinking about it because those seconds are really vital to survival in some circumstances, right? Right. right. You need to be able to act quickly without thinking. Right. Um, or ne- at least needing to think too hard about it. All right. So that HPA axis that we talked about uh, starts this this response of flooding the body with adrenaline. Right. Okay? And that prepares you to either fight for your life mm-hmm. or run for your life, mm-hmm. which is the fight or flight. Okay. Um, adrenaline is pretty interesting. Yes, um, it we is. We should probably do like an episode series where we just talk about a- adrenaline, adrenal it's, fatigue. It's almost like stuff. a coat of armor in some cases. You know, yeah, it's that like ten foot tall and bulletproof. The the MMA guy goes into the ring. He's totally hyped up by the experience, everything that he's trained for. He gets pounded, doesn't feel a thing. The adrenaline wears off. The next day, he feels every single punch kind of thing and yeah. it's like man adrenaline at that time just allows you to be you know like the the kool-aid guy busting through a wall you know right. <laughs> like, it's super strength right um right okay so what that does okay the i really simplified it and the hpa access so what like the hypothalamus sends a signal to the pituitary gland that to release this specific hormone called crf which then activates the adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of complicated hormonal stuff that um, you don't really need to know. But it oh. is neat that we do know what's going on. And we have a smart audience. You know every single term oh, kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, that, that's not what I mean. I like. I don't. I just don't expect everybody to be regurgitating all oh, yeah. these like really minute details. Um, so the adre- adrenal glands pump adrenaline into the bloodstream, um, which increases blood sugar. Or sorry, mm-hmm. not blood sugar. Blood pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pressure. Um, blood flow is actually rerouted away from your limbs mm-hmm. to your core, and mm-hmm. all of that oxygen-rich blood is now available to your lungs, which mm-hmm. can be very important, mm-hmm. right? Especially in a situation that might be physically taxing. Um, all of our immune functions and digestive functions shut down, and um, so like we actually stop digesting food. Is that not the craziest thing? Wow. Yeah. So everything goes. All this energy that like we would be expending other places. Yeah. We aren't anymore. It's focused on a a particular area so so you can survive. Yeah. Right. And again, evolutionary evolutionists are going to say that that's the product of millions of years of evolution. I absolutely disagree. Disagree with that. I believe it is the function of uh, creation, how God created us. Um, And that the issues like post-traumatic stress disorder that are related to this mechanism like mm-hmm. shorts in this mechanism are a result of the fall mm-hmm. um okay so i don't know if anybody can relate to that like 
the digestion thing and the immune function shutdown were always such interesting points to me because so many people I've worked with um, have, especially like in their midlife, that have extensive trauma. Right. Um, had a adre- like also were experiencing comorbid like adrenal fatigue, um, autoimmune disorders, um, digestive disorders, um, like. Uh, what is the irritable bowel was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just something that I picked up. I actually haven't done any research specifically on that correlation, but in my experience, like there's a high correlation um, and it makes sense because all of these systems are impacted when you're going into this response cycle chronically. I think about um, um, Luther, yeah. uh, Martin Luther. Uh, he uh, experienced a lot of stomach problems. He was known as the flatulent preacher kind of thing. <laughs> Well, if you know uh, Luther's story, you know that he almost got struck by lightning. It was totally taken back to it. In such, that event caused him to become a monk. Mm. He got struck by lightning. Well, he almost got struck by lightning, right? And he's walking down the street with that robe and thing like that. You know, that the graduation, that scholar robe that he got. Uh, he's trying to be a lawyer. And um, he almost gets struck by lightning. The lightning uh, comes down, and he immediately yells out, Saint Anne, I'll become a monk. Saint Anne? Yeah, he was I'll Catholic, become... right? Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. Uh, Saint Anne. Oh, I forgot what Saint Anne was for, but uh, it, it could have been for, like, the minors or the oh, whatever like that. Yeah. Um, and so he says, Saint Anne, I'll become a monk. Well, then he can, becomes a monk mm-hmm. because of that, because, you know, lightning just almost struck him. He thought God was trying to tell him something. Um, and in there, obviously, he starts to, uh, you know, read a little bit more, develop more theology, say it's compelling to, to read these things, spends hours in confession. Uh, I don't know how much trouble you can get into into a monastery, but apparently he thought he was just wretched. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, so I mean, this says that St. Anne is the patroness of unmarried women. Yeah, okay. Is um, that right? I don't know if I don't that's know right. Why no. you would... I don't know if that's right. Why would he call out to her? But he called out, St. Anne, I'll become a monk. Anyways, you bring up irritable bowel, and he had a problem with, well, let's just say, a problem with farting a lot. He used to say they were so big. You you should read read Luther about this. And I go, I wonder if that's because he, you know, almost got struck by lightning and it just totally traumatized his life. Because from there, monastery, Protestant Reformation. Yeah. It farts a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, if any of you guys get nervous and then get gassy. Hmm. He's a nervous man. I mean, lightning, life-threatening situations. Uh, you know, the the whole Rome wants to just do away with you in some uh, in some form or fashion. Right. Lots of pressure. Lots of pressure. Lots of pressure. And that's, he released it. <laughs> Are we making fart jokes right now? Well, um, we're making fun of Luther. I mean, I, I've always saw <laughs> seen that and I go, oh, man. I mean, if we were to diagnose him uh, today, he might. I don't know if he would be disordered, considered yeah. disordered. But he's definitely a nervous man or a, 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 a stressed out man because of his events. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like get, almost getting struck by lightning could do it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> that was All his right. first fart. So. <laughs> We're we're all the way through in this process, right? Your blood yeah. is filled with adre- ad- adrenaline, yeah. right? You're flooded, um, and your like body is preparing to e- to be ready to either fight or run. But and again, oversimplifying to to do something active about your situation. That's mm-hmm. what your body is prepared to do. Um, so it's not until this point that the information is sent to your prefrontal cortex. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is the the thinking part of mm-hmm. your brain. Um, this is the conscious part of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize at this moment that you've heard a noise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, I just want to reemphasize people that think anxiety is just simply a matter of willpower. Mm-hmm. You are incorrect. Yeah, the yeah. physiology behind that, behind this testifies otherwise. Right. Um, okay, so at this point, you're at the campfire, right? And you know you've heard something. So what's the first thing that you do, most likely? I mean, I just thought of the shining, but ju- probably, you know, freak or jump up. Kind of look, thing. you try yeah, to look. Yeah, yeah. 
you look towards mm-hmm. the noise, right? That would mm-hmm. be the next. Yeah. I turn around, gather I jump. more information. Like now that myself. you're aware you heard something, you right. need more. You What is it that I heard? Yeah. I need more facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you turn. If you um, reason, like you turn around and see that it was a pine cone, mm-hmm. like rustling in the, the wind, the leaves. Great. You like make a reasoned assessment of what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, no fighting or fleeing necessary. Right. So this whole process is disengaged mm-hmm. and the everybody is probably familiar with um, or has heard um, about the stress hormone cortisol. Yes. Okay, So that's where this comes into play. Mm-hmm. All right. And cortisol brings back everything into homeostasis. Exactly. All right. It mm-hmm. helps counteract what the adrenaline just did. It mm-hmm. reroutes blood flow. Mm-hmm. It readjusts heart rate. Right. Mm-hmm. So. um like you had people like that have a like jump uh what are those called jump scares yes and horror movies right um that like <gasps> mm-hmm. right so that's this process happening in microseconds mm-hmm. and then you realize oh it's, there's nothing really to be afraid right. of and you calm down you immediately calm down. but yeah. you can feel your heart racing oh yeah some like your cheeks will flush like palms will get sweaty mm-hmm. all of this is just part of the physiological response that we're talking about Mm -hmm. okay and then as soon as you look or as soon as you like regain yourself you're not scared anymore it's just a movie Mm -hmm. right if when you look at the noise you heard you see a bear a psycho killer uh anything dangerous Mm -hmm. right this process doesn't disengage but continues right and Mm -hmm. you continue to flood with adrenaline Mm -hmm. and react appropriately um so there's another function too that it's actually involves different hormones um that uh we'll talk about just really briefly um freeze so fight flight freeze so Mm -hmm. this when you look at this would be like playing playing possum playing dead Mm -hmm. a deer in headlights and it's involves what we believe uh, are endogenous opioids in the Mm -hmm. brain so like opioids that your body produces on its own right okay to kind of give like the numb effect right and uh the idea is like if i can be still enough then maybe they'll think i'm already dead maybe i'll be invisible right Mm -hmm. so again it's not reason that's at work here Mm -hmm. right um and that that if you if you freeze not that that can't have a like a a part in post-traumatic stress disorder but when we talk about the stress response, we're typically talking about this, what we just described, yeah. not the freeze component. Although I am certainly a freezer in certain cir- circumstances, right. um, like the fainting goat. And it's totally. Well, he freezes to, uh, to survive, right? And well, then, he yeah. freezes when he gets scared, too. It's a neurological thing that's mm-hmm. happening there. So it's actually sad. But um, anyway, I, I, know, relate, seen... I relate to that, like getting scared and just like stiffening up. I've seen jerks, you know, like they go to the goat and they go, yeah, and yeah. then watch There's them fall over. Like, like yeah. Ugh. it's mean. Yeah. mean. Um, okay. So, yeah, hopefully it isn't a psycho killer or a bear. Um, but if it is, you then are like at this point, you're like totally aware yeah. like and you're using reason to try and now i'm thinking help yourself out of it now i'm thinking of the movie the revenant uh with leonardo dicaprio oh, yeah, I don't know that. if you saw that but he got attacked by a bear the whole movie is actually the based off of the fact that he got attacked by a bear and he's gonna go get uh, vengeance on the people who just left him there oh. they were gonna take care of him and then they just left him for some money and things like that down the road okay. and he survives yeah. and then gets vengeance uh, but man, that bear attack, when you see that, it's brutal. Oh, and he does lay there a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. but the bear mm. just didn't care. He's going to, he's going to eat him anyway. Worst nightmare. Yeah. Actually, my worst nightmare would be like facing down a grizzly, a mother grizzly while there's a tornado in the background. <laughs> if any of the elders of Apologia are hearing this, they know exactly what the Revenant is because when you walk in uh, to the place of podcasting, yes, <laughs> the, studio, the studio, you, you see the uh, the uh, uh, the Revenant, uh, the movie poster uh, oh, in funny. the in the lobby yeah. there. So yeah, um, yeah, no thanks. I can live without that. 
It was a great movie. Oh, Anyways, sure go I'm ahead. Sure but the, I'm sure the movie was great. I mean, I can live without being attacked by a bear. So you you see a little uh, uh, kind of um, uh, a repetitive pattern in my life, The Shining, The Revenant, and I'm always thinking about movies and, 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 and these situations. I wonder how much that has actually played in my life, and I'll give you an example. I've seen Paranormal Activity. I used to be scared after, a, after I saw that movie. Anything that cracked in the walls and things like that i'd get shaky and right right of. so yeah. that's actually called exaggerated startle response ah, okay. and it is yeah. a symptom of post-traumatic stress Woof. for that very reason yeah i mean they were microed i mean you get over oh it yeah right no away, but, but like yeah. loud noises anybody yeah. that's no is a veteran mm -hmm. especially if, like a, a combat veteran yeah um uh or is one themselves knows what that like a, what loud noises can mean yeah. right so okay so here's here's the why this is related to post-traumatic stress disorder okay mm -hmm. um in trauma this system is activated mm. right and memories very frequently because like the, depending on the nature of the trauma or just by nature like those memories are not complete they're very fragmented but mm. there are pieces that get like uh stored that's what i was like mm -hmm. internalized that's the wrong word stored um so then the next time that there is a cue a noise or a mm. smell or something that you see that remote like has any relationship to any of those like me new memories that have been stored this response gets activated again like so you start you start going into this traumatic stress response cycle mm all the time and the more you do it the more reflexive it becomes mm. so this system which is god-given mm -hmm. right and really important that we have essentially becomes <clears throat> hyperactive mm. and thusly ineffective and debilitating and so this is where we see a lot of the symptoms come out so yeah. okay what come from or mm -hmm. you know where they where they're generated from and i that's why i wanted to kind of lay that groundwork before we actually get into the symptoms so that connection can be made um so anyway that is uh one of the physiological explanations for the development of post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress and then post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. um there are other schools of thought and theories hypotheses like um about uh more like primarily cognitive or emotional mm -hmm. um experiences as the the foundational cause for post-traumatic stress right um and i think all of that stuff is extremely important and interrelated yes. um but i think that more importantly we need to acknowledge that this system that's at work is god-given yep and it's extremely important that we have it it's not that the like at, at its foundation that it's bad right it's think of like an electrical short occurring it's almost as if he knew we were going to deal with a curse almost if and um <laughs> even gave us mercy uh, uh, within that, of course, um, of course and of course, you know, he works out everything to the counsel of his own will. Uh, so our reactions, our traumas, and everything uh, that our bodies made for our reactions to society, society in general, Earth in general, uh, how this planet reacts, natural disasters—it's all encompassing how he gets his will <laughs> uh, uh, to be worked out. And in um, Reformed theology, we we understand that God. Uh, suppresses um, uh, humanity of like we all possess the capability of being the worst possible version of sure. ourselves yes but yes. there's God's sovereignty and mercy suppressing that mm -hmm. and then sometimes you get people that are hyperactive in that like Pharaoh or Hitler <laughs> where oh, he says yeah. my power is going to be demonstrated sure, in you by bringing you down kind of thing like that right, right. Uh, and so I start to think of those components. I don't think it's the totality of everything, but when you say our body uh, is resilient and our body is made for these things, I do think that is one of those natural components in the suppression of God, uh, of 
so we don't act like the worst per- possible oh, version yeah. or just simply die sure. or yeah like yeah that. i see what yeah. you're saying yeah it, like it's definitely a mercy yeah and, it's de- and, def- and, that's that's how i look at it yeah, yeah. i agree i yeah. agree totally it is yeah. it's so important that we become that we are able to become afraid yeah right and again so like the bible our scripture talks very plainly about fear right mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about mm-hmm. when you anxiety doesn't become sinful right until you're going to it Mm -hmm. it's it is in jesus's place Mm -hmm. as an idol Mm -hmm. right whether that's you conscious like you're conscious of what you're doing or not Mm -hmm. right essentially that's what it is it's not like it's a product of the curse it's a product of the curse absolutely um I'm talking about situational anxiety. Well, and that's why we defined, and when we go back to the, uh, if you haven't heard this yet, go back to the anxiety podcast that yeah. we did of the show. Just and we were talking me. about the nuances in this and what are the categories of right. anxiety uh, that one can be sinful and the other is actually. Like legitimate concern. A, a legitimate concern right. or a normal response. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I hope that was clear. Um, we covered a lot of information. Um, all right. So I think that's a really good place for us to end here. Um, and then in our next episode, we'll start, uh, fresh and go over, um, some symptoms, but yeah, the diagnostic criteria, some symptoms, that kind of stuff. And then talk about like as much as like possible biblical application. We're not going to get into treatments Mm -hmm. at all. Um, and I'm not sure if we'll, you know, discuss that kind of stuff in the future. I'm not sure how how if people are interested in hearing about if you know different kinds of treatments. If you are interested, let us know. Please let us know. Yeah. We do see your messages. We can't get to all of them, but we do see your messages. Uh, and then, of course, like, subscribe, and share that yeah. other people may have not have heard this that may be interested, and then they may ask questions yeah. as well. And you. Uh, and you get a, a whole generated new topic right, <laughs> for yes. this. Uh, but uh, it definitely needs to be discussed. Uh, this uh, second podcast that we're getting ready to do from this topic will be highly important. Sure. Uh, that's yeah, don't, don't just take this, like, definitely take the next bit of information. Well, just hearkening back to the beginning of this show when we said don't self-diagnose, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, then uh, listen to what we're talking about in the symptoms. That'll be clarify that a little bit more and then be maybe uh, go seek help instead of diagnosing yourself go go seek help okay well yeah so thanks everybody for we love you guys we love interacting with you please keep doing that it's amazing um yeah well we love you we thank you for uh listening and and even what we've talked about here ptsd is not you know your your identity it's not your final you know you know dagger in the heart because there is a christ who's taken the curse. You don't have to wear it on your shoulders. And in this life, you will have many trials and tribulations. Just keep and take heart that he has overcome the world.